Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today does not need much of an introduction. Ali Bulala grew up in Stockholm, Sweden and was part of the legendary early 2000s flip skateboard squad, including fellow pro skaters Jeff Rowley, Tom Penny, Arto Sari, Rune Glivberg, Mark Appleyard and more. In 2007, his life changed dramatically after a motorcycle accident in Australia involving fellow flip team rider Shane Cross, who unfortunately passed away. After being in a coma for a few weeks, Ali spent two years in prison before being sent back to Sweden. His life has been portrayed in Patrick O'Dell's Epically Later show in 2015 and more recently in Max Ericsson's film The Scars of Ali Bulala, which was released in 2021. I had the opportunity to sit down for a quick chat with Ali early February 2023 to discuss addiction and sobriety, his music projects with the band Ghost Boys, and more. So here's my conversation with Ali. I hope you'll enjoy it. Thanks again. Really stoked to, to get to do this interview with you. I've been obviously a fan for forever. You're one of these skaters that uh, a whole generation grew up watching in uh, the flip videos. So yeah, thank you so much for taking a bit of time for this uh, interview. Yeah, no worries. So I usually start my interviews the same way with every guest. It's basically to kind of go through their life and career with skating. But the whole concept of this podcast is to talk about things outside of skateboarding and not really the act of skating itself. And you've talked about your skate career at length in other interviews. So I don't want to ask you too much about, you know, your pro skater career. I'd rather focus on um, what you've been doing in the more recent times and, um, and also the things you do outside of skateboarding itself. But yeah, but to get started, could you tell me maybe just how you, you know, first started skating? I know you grew up in, in Sweden, I think in Stockholm. Yeah, yeah. And I think your dad is from, is it Algeria or Morocco? I wasn't yeah, sure. No, Algeria. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Hence the name uh, Ali Bulala, I guess. Yeah, it's from there. Yeah. And so, yeah. Tell me about like uh, what year and how did it all start for you? Yeah, we went on a family vacation. Like a lot of people from Sweden go like to Mallorca or like the Canary Islands. Mm-hmm. And we went there once, like for for a holiday with the family. And it was actually my my younger brother. It was his idea, like as we saw people skating there. It wasn't so popular, like in, in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, in like maybe it was nineties in the beginning of the nineties, mm-hmm. like, or at least in our area. Like we hadn't really seen anyone skating, and then when we went there, we saw people skating. Right. And uh, yeah, it looked cool. And and my brother was like, "Oh, I think I'm gonna try to buy a skateboard because mm-hmm. we we got like a coins like allowance every day to play video games in the arcades. So this was like the '90s where there was arcade halls, right? You yeah. know, I mean, like now I see that a little bit like that now. They they're starting to come up again because everything goes in cycles. Mm-hmm. So now it's all of a sudden it's cool. Like you know, with all the fucking old games and pinball machines and. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was popular back then, at least like in wherever we were, mm-hmm. they had like huge arcade halls and like with the football game, you know, the, the I don't know what, what you call it with the foosball, foosball, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. that and like pinball and like, but a street fighter may have not even been out yet. I don't know what year that came, but early nineties. Yeah. 
Yeah, anyway. And then my brother was saved all these coins. They're like, oh, we're going to buy a skateboard. Okay. And I was like, fuck, that's a great idea. Is your brother older than you? I'm not sure. No, he's a, a, a year younger. Does he skate today or did he stop? Uh... Yeah, and he's got two kids and they skate, so. Yeah. Okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it's. I think he may even skate more than me these days because of his kids, you know, because I'm, I'm friends with the people that run the skate shop. Uh, I mean, the, the skate park. Right, right, yeah. And like Fanny, her name Fanny, she always messaged me like, oh, look who's attending today. And it's like, there's three Balalas here, but <laughs> you're not here. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like my brother and his two kids, but then not me. That's sick though. Yeah, it's cool that yeah. your nephews and uh, nieces are skating. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, because for, for us, for me and my brother, it was like we didn't know anyone else that skated. Mm-hmm. We had barely seen it. It was just like on this vacation. Right. And then it was his idea. Like, And then eventually we met people around our neighborhood like that went to the same school or whatever, and they started skating too. Okay. And then we met people like in the city, like once we went to the skate shop and we're like, okay, there's an actual shop for skateboards here. And then like, yeah, started to understand like that there was a whole massive scene. Or not massive, it wasn't massive. Culture and yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it it wasn't big then, but like we didn't even know that it existed at all. So yeah, I'm jumping ahead in time a bit, but uh, I just read yesterday, I didn't know that, that apparently you were sponsored by Cliché back in the day before Flip. Is that true? No. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know why I, I read that somewhere, like that you, you got hooked up by cliche for a bit. No, I mean, but... I knew because I lived in Lyon, but that was after I already rode for Flip for a long, for a while. Like. Right, yeah, yeah. You have a lot of uh, footage in Lyon in the Flip uh, videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, no, not before. Like, I didn't ride for anything before Flip. Okay, okay. You didn't have like... any board sponsors before no, Flip. It was... Okay. I got sponsored by a, a skate shop in Stockholm, and, like, and that was it. Yeah. Okay. And then the huge jump to like what was then the biggest company, like yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. And so, of course, I watched the documentary "The Scars of Valley Bulala." I want to ask you yeah. about that eventually. But I also watched, uh, of course, when it came out, the epically later on you. Oh yeah, that yeah, was yeah. from I think 2015 around there. Yeah. And uh, in that specific uh, documentary, the epithelated one, I'm going to quote you on this. He said, when I like something a little bit, I only want to do that all the time, every day. <laughs> yeah. True. Of course, that applies to skateboarding. I know you, you were also a lot into like remote control, like toys, like cars, helicopters, stuff yeah. like that. Unfortunately, it applied to like uh, substance abuse and stuff like that yeah. uh, later down the road. Everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is there something like today that you feel that you're kind of obsessed with in, in a positive way now that you're sober and everything? I see a lot of guitars in the background. So. Yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, you can't see it now, but there's a, a piano here like, like just before. like, And for some reason, last night I was like, I, I saw some YouTube video or something it was, and I was like, oh, Fidelise, you know, the, the, the classical, classical piano by Beethoven or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, why? That's just standard. I should know that. Like, that's just something, even though, like, I'm never ever going to perform it or anything like that, but it just seems like something that you need to just have in you, the no- knowledge of that song. So I started to learn that song. I don't know whenever, I'm, if I'm ever going to play it, but mm-hmm. 
it's uh, like just for practice or whatever. So that's what I and that's what I did this morning. I'm like, okay, figuring out like the starting bit. And then I listen to it and I'm like, yeah, it's not going to take that long because it's like repeats itself or whatever. So okay. like that's that's the thing that I'm doing now that I wasn't even really that. I didn't think it was going to be like fun, but then I got stuck into it and I'm like, that's, that's all I'm going to do now. <laughs> cool. It's like, you know, it's like one of those songs like Stairway to Heaven for guitar players or like for oh, yeah. Nothing else matters. Like the one thing that you just have have to. You know. need to know how to do it. Yeah, I yeah. see. But if I if I never ever do it, then that's fine. You know. Of course, yeah, yeah. But it's like a standard. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah. know, like I don't know why, I, but yeah, because I never I took some piano lessons, but they like it, and it was like with these children. Okay. And I got it as like a birthday present for my girlfriend, and I was like, "Where well, where do you start?" You know. So she just it was like I can't remember how many lessons it was, but it was like from the beginning, beginning. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, well, why not? Like, it's always good to start from scratch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then they came, you know, for some reason, they maybe because it was easy to learn, but they had like the final countdown as a practice song, you know, (laughs) the Swedish fucking, which was weird, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm, maybe it's just really old school with the, like everyone needs to learn for your lease, but I don't know. I never learned it, so mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing now. That's cool, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you play music at all when you were younger, or did that interest no, kind of that start came, later? Yeah, that came way later, like on a trip to Australia, actually, flip trip. And again, kind of like with my brother with the fucking skateboards, it was like Bastion was like, oh, I'm going to buy a guitar. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> so I just, okay. I just fucking copy people and like, and then I get fucking sucked into it. Yeah, yeah. I remember him uh, saying in interviews that he played guitar a lot for, for a long time. Maybe he still does. Yeah. I'm not sure. But... Yeah, I think he does. Yeah. But I mean, we both got really like heavily into it. Like we just did that all day. Like if we didn't, if we didn't go skating, we would just sit for maybe ten hours practicing. Like. Wow! But then, uh, yeah, and I mean, he got really, really good. Yeah. Like proper like blues, uh, and then I just fucking started doing other shit. But, <laughs> yeah. I remember also in the epic later piece, you were kind of freshly sober. Like you had been sober for, I think, two years, three years, maybe at that oh, point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you were counting the days like on your phone on an app. Do you still do that? And are you still kind of obsessed with it? Or, yeah, or not really? I mean, I, I still have I still have the counter, but I don't know how many. I can't remember how long ago, but I remember it was like three, 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 three. Okay. I'm going to check just to be sure what it is now even. But yeah, at the beginning, for sure, I was like, oh, 14, 15, and then like 99. Oh, my God, it's soon. It's 100. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like 3,484 now. Wow. So you're getting close to 10 years then. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, now in the summer, July. Okay, wow. July. Yeah, congratulations, man. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. 10 years sober is no joke, yeah. I mean, it's it's... For me, though, it was just like the first year or first two years was like really difficult. And then like after five years, I was like, what? That was five years? Like, holy fuck. Yeah, now yeah, it's yeah. like 10 years. It's like, I can't even. Yeah. But it doesn't feel that long. Like sometimes, yeah. especially like when I meet other people that are in recovery, I'm like, oh, like, okay, 10 years. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like how long? Because people just crash and burn anyways. Mm. 
like especially when you see these people quite often and frequently you're just like oh this person is doing well and they're like holy shit what happened to that person like oh they relapsed or whatever like it just goes so quickly they are back to the other way so right yeah. you never know so yeah again I'm, I'm gonna talk a bit about the epithelator and eventually about yeah, the yeah, new yeah. documentary but like uh, in the epithelator one you mentioned that you were caught by the police drinking on the street with like uh, I think it was Jim Greco or Eric Ellington I'm, I'm not sure who it was yeah it was Jim yeah with Jim right like behind a store or something and, and you got caught by the police and uh, since you were underage you were deported soon after like you, you had to leave the country basically yeah yeah and uh, I was wondering if you had ever gone back to the States since then and no okay no. still still not okay still haven't gone back since 98 I think it was can you go like are you kind of like permanently banned to go back I mean I think so I mean they said no but then when I tried to go there 2012 I got denied so oh okay okay And they didn't even say why. They just said, no. Oh, that's strange. Yeah. Even for something like, uh, yeah, which is, I mean, if you were drinking, you weren't like robbing a bank or something. No, like I mean, I mean, I, I know if I would have a lawyer or whatever pay money, then maybe they could dig into it and find out exactly what's going on. But Okay. Would you like to go back one day or are you kind of over it at this point? And... I mean, I would like to go back because my girlfriend's dad had like, or I don't know if he has it anymore, lived in San Francisco. Okay. And I know she loves San Francisco and I only been there one time, like back in the day. So, I mean, that would be good. And then maybe I'll go like, whatever, visit everyone else. Yeah, yeah. In their gnarly ma mansions in Hollywood or wherever they live now. <laughs> And so I wanted to ask you about, we did talk about it a bit since we started about sobriety because I'm particularly interested in that myself because I went sober three years ago almost. Okay. And like your story and stories from other pro skaters that have gone sober have of course influenced me a lot and my desire to go sober. And um, I was wondering like in the epithelator piece you, I think at some point after all the tragic events that happened in uh, Australia, Yeah. You were in jail for a bit, then you flew back to Stockholm and started drinking and using drugs again for a bit, and eventually you got sober, but I wasn't too sure if it was because you drove yourself to a mental institute, and is that the day that you got sober, or did that happen a bit later and uh, thanks to like a 12-step program of some sort? Yeah, I think it may have been like the day after. Okay. Because I went there and I just felt like, okay, well, this wasn't the answer. Like, cause I didn't really didn't know where to go. And that's where I went. And then straight away, I was like, well, this was definitely not the answer. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, if it was the next day, I don't remember exactly. I mean, I could find out. Like, because it was my friend's uh, mother. Like, this is one of my friends that I've known for, I don't know, maybe since we were like 15 or something. Okay. And uh, yeah, so she contacted, she's like, hey, uh, how, are, how are you doing? Like, I heard uh, you were not doing so well. Do you want to meet up and just uh, have a chat? Mm -hmm. And then we met up and we talked and she was like, but have you ever thought about like going to a church? I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> she's like, no, you know, you can just go there and talk to people or a priest. I'm like, no, I talked to like this nun when I was in prison because she came every Friday. But that was just because there was someone else from the outside in the prison. So that's why that was interesting. I'm like, I didn't care. And she's like, I would never have guessed that that was a nun. Okay. But she was a nun. You but didn't it was talk just about someone else. religion with her? With her no, she didn't. Okay. No, which was weird. But uh, yeah. Uh-huh. 
And I'm like, yeah. So it was, she was like, yeah, well, that's the thing. Just need to talk to someone. And here's a place you can go. I'm like, sure, I'll go anywhere. Like, I don't even care anymore. Mm. So, and it was a 12-step program. But I didn't know until I saw the logo. I'm like, what? Like, really? How the fuck is this going to help? Mm. But yeah, and it obviously it did. So, Had you uh, contemplated going to a program like that before? Or did it kind of never cross no. your mind? No, fuck no. I mean, I went in prison. Oh, yeah. And they had me. They had meetings and I'm like, this is bullshit. Like straight away. Instantly. Like I was there for one meeting. and I'm like, this is shit. Because and then I had also because they had recommended like because of my charges that I go to a drug and alcohol program. But it wasn't like a 12 step program, it was more like an informative thing, you know, and I, and I was right. also like. This is bullshit. Like, oh, I know all this stuff. Like, I know this. Mm -hmm. This is why I take drugs because of all the effects. Mm. But I went there. I did it. I got the diploma that I've completed the drug and alcohol program or whatever in there. Okay. But it now, never. And then, I, I mean, I know when Andrew and, and Jim got sober, like, whenever this was. So that was a bit before you, right? Like, uh, maybe a year yeah, or two? Before, or... I think, no, I think it was a long, way longer. Oh, okay. Because I remember I was still drinking when they, I was like, I couldn't believe it that they were going to a 12-step program. It was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. I remember you I saying uh, about Andrew Reynolds and the Epicolator thing again. Uh, you considered him kind of like a traitor. Or, yeah. And I thought it was interesting because, yeah, it was basically abandoning you kind of. Or like, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like that well, it was it was wrong. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, of course it wasn't. But that's what I felt. Because of course. How, I mean, yeah. So what happened that day when you walked into this 12-step program? What, what kind of happened that decided you to finally quit, uh, you know, using and drinking and everything? Yeah, I mean, I, didn't, I had no idea that that's what was going to happen, you know. I just walked, walked in there and I thought, narcotics, I know what I mean. Like, okay, and you, you know, you're not supposed to say, to say the exact, so we'll just say the, the 12-step. Sure. I went into the 12-step program and i see all these people and I, the first thing i'm like these are not fucking drug addicts like look at them they're <laughs> normal people like they have never even been drunk once because that's what i thought <laughs> yeah especially compared to like how i felt like completely destroyed and like the insides were just rotting away and i'm like how the fuck who are these people like yeah what are they doing here yeah Why are they here? Like, they don't have a fucking problem. Mm. And of course, later on, I've realized like, yeah, now they don't have a problem because with the help of this program, they've been fucking sober forever now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was hard to see or to like, to understand even like that that was going to work. So were you like um, accompanied by doctors on the side of this 12 step program? Did you have some sort of like medical no, follow up no, no. on the side of that or, or not at all? No, but I was before that, like after I went to the psych ward, I got like some, it's not a psychiatric uh, What is it called? Psychologist? No. Yeah, it was some, anyway, person. Oh, like sessions with a therapist of some sort? Ther or? Yeah, some sort of therapist. Okay, was. okay. And then when I went to the 12 step and I came to the therapist saying like, you know, I, I think I found a, a better thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, you can do both. I'm like, well, the other place that I'm talking about doesn't cost money. 
there's coffee there <laughs> and there's like 99% of the people are like people that I somehow you can relate to them yeah. to relate to yeah exactly and then you're like some doctor that's showing me some diagram what anxiety is it's like I'm like mm. I just see some lines on a piece of paper and like so she's like well you can do both I'm like yeah no I mean I think yeah. if I feel like it I can always come back to you as well but sure sure for now she's like well you know i'm always gonna be here i'm like yeah of course you're always gonna be <laughs> here but this is your job and you get paid a shitload of money for sitting here listening to people's misery so were you successful right away and in, in like going sober or did it take you a few tries no i sense that that day i have not relapsed but i mean i know a lot of people that have since then and yeah. people that were already there when i came and like people that i met through the program but then also people that have been there for like there's this one particular meeting that i've that i've been going to and it's like it's every day at 12 o'clock that's been there for 30 years they have like the 30th anniversary for that particular meeting and like now on is it like next weekend or something mm-hmm. i think yeah okay. and there's been like there's people there that have that have been there since the first day so yeah it's insane yeah yeah 30 years that's no joke yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, and also because I was there so much in the beginning. Now, like when they're having this celebration or anniversary day or whatever, they they have like expanded like the place. They've all hired like the place next door, so it's going to be like a big uh, big event, yeah, big event thing. And they asked me to be like one of the speakers too, which is cool too. That's actually a, a question I had for you about like being a speaker because uh, again in the there I think it's your your ex wife Amanda she said uh, yeah. that you you were invited here and there at the time I don't know if it's still the case but invited like in smaller cities in uh, Sweden to you know yeah. share your story and everything do you still do that nowadays or Yeah, I haven't done that for a while, but uh, yeah, I did that before. I mean, then there was like the whole COVID thing. That's why that whole, and then it hasn't really picked up again after. Okay. And I mean, I I mean, I still want to do it for sure. And so, as we said earlier, you're about to celebrate your 10 years of sobriety. Yeah. But I was wondering, like, are there still circumstances that you don't feel too comfortable being in? I've been sober three years, as I told you, almost two years. And yeah. for example, like I don't really like to go to a big, big party where a lot of people are drinking. If it's just a few people, if it's like five, ten people, it's like yeah. somewhat okay. But if it's a large, large amount of people, and I was thinking, like for example, like, I don't know if you went to the last one, but you went to like Copenhagen Open, maybe this yeah. year or the year before or something. I haven't been, but I'm sure there's like a lot of people drinking all over, oh. and it must be a huge fucking oh, party. Yeah. It is massive. And then like, and of course, and everyone that you've ever met is there and everyone. But I mean, I also like the 2012, I think it was, that was like the last of my drinking years at Copenhagen. Okay. And that was horrible. Uh, so <laughs> I went there the next year and I was like not drinking and not even... I mean, it, it just felt like, no, I don't want to go back there. Like, it wasn't even fun anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been there. And then everyone that's organizing it, they know that I don't drink and they're just giving me these non-alcoholic okay. drink, you know. But that's, I, I understand, like, how easy, because there's, like, free booze. Yeah, and 24/7. also, like, it's just a big party. Everyone's everyone's having yeah. fun and just letting loose and, yeah. Yeah. Do you kind of try to avoid these kinds of events nowadays or are you kind of uh, just comfortable with it at this point and you're like, whatever? And 
Yeah, no, I'm fine with it. Like that's like I said, I think I went there the year after, mm-hmm. like when I got sober. So I mean, I, I I'm always gonna go there. I think. Okay. But I mean, it's more like if I go out to like a bar or whatever, and then the bar closes and people are like, ah, let's go somewhere else. It's like, yeah, no, I don't want to go yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> I'm like, done. It's done. Like yeah. it is time to go home. Yeah, and people are like just waiting, like chasing that, continuing the party. It's like pointless, but yeah, when you drink, yeah. you don't, you, yeah. Yeah, you don't feel that. Exactly. I, I see that, like, even if I go out like early in the day, and then all of a sudden everyone has reached this level of drunkness where it's like, okay, well, n- nothing else exciting is going to happen here. This is yeah. just going to continue with this. <laughs> and usually, I don't know if I said this before, like, very often ends up with like a small crowd standing around someone doing something. Like, there's o- an, almost always a fire involved. <laughs> like, okay. well, start like screaming. Screaming or in a circle around like fire or some shit like, <laughs> and then that's it. Like, and that just keeps going till like six in the morning. And you're like, I've seen that where the peak now from here. It's like only gonna be downhill or like the same thing is gonna continue. So like, I'm I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. If, like I can easily see like where they've reached the top. Like from here, it's gonna be stay the same, and then slowly, I'm like, I don't want to be here for for that. And so we talked a bit about like the upgraded and everything that's uh, talked about in the documentary. And so tell me a bit about the new documentary, The Scars of Ali Bulala. So I think that was released about like a year ago, maybe at this point. Yeah, I th- yeah, it was 2021. It was uh, premiered in Tribeca 21. Yeah. And so can you tell me about like um, how Max approached you, Max Erickson, the director, how he approached you to do this? Because I believe he might have uh, reached out to you even before Patrick Odell reached out to do Epic Later. Yeah, he did. So that was uh, how long ago, would you say? Oh, fuck. Could have been 2012 sometime. Okay. So about 10 years ago. Yeah. Did you two know each other prior to? No, no, no. no. And like he didn't really know either. He know knew of me, and he was doing documentaries. And then I think he saw like in the newspaper or something about the accident, and he was like, "Fuck, man!" I... Oh no, he heard about from someone that I was uh, in Sweden again. Oh, okay. That's when he thought, like, okay, this is my chance, like, uh, to make to uh, meet him and. Yeah, so he tried, I don't know how, he he knew some people that knew me, and everyone was like, no, nah, we're not giving out his number, like, no, no, no. Okay. And then there was one guy named Hasse Lindgren, this freestyle guy, if you know who that is. No, I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, legendary freestyle from, like, the 80s. Like, it was him and, like, Rodney Miller, like, when freestyle started, or, like, you know. That era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was before my era. But anyway, he's, like, he's a friend of mine, and he's been around. He has, like, a, a skate distributor here in Stockholm. And, like, he knew him, so he asked him, and then he was like, you know, I can give Ali your number, and if he's interested, he'll call you. Okay, yeah, it's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, so he just, okay, fine, like, why would he ever fucking call me? But then I just straight away called him. I'm like, hey, what? So you want to do a documentary? Like, and he's like, well, holy fuck, he actually called back. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we met up and he talked uh, about it, like that he wanted to do the film and he showed me some other films that he'd done. Okay. 
And then I realized, like, okay, this is... A, like, a legit? Serious? Yeah, um, like, he's a filmmaker. He's like, this is not a skate. Like, he he doesn't skate. So this is perfect. He just does films. He's a documentary filmmaker. I'm like, okay. Mm. So so it's not going to be your same. Because, you know, Patch, like, the epic later, you know, it's it's a... I mean, I haven't watched it yet, but... Yeah, I wanted to ask you that, yeah. Everyone's seen it, and they think that it's great. And I've seen all of the other ones that he's done. So I'm assuming that the one on me is good too yours is uh for sure one of my favorites he's done oh yeah, yeah it's okay. amazing but you know it's a it's a whole different thing because he's like focusing only on the skate career like that's what he's into i mean like or mainly you know for sure yeah and whereas Max was like, didn't know anything about skating, so he's going to bring a whole new vibe to it. Sure. Because like the films that he made that he showed me was like, he lived like with these people that they build up these amusement parks, movable amusement parks. Okay. And they travel around, like they set it up in parking lots. And like, I mean, I, I've i seen them some like around everywhere, you know, and, like in France and stuff like they have them like on the summer times, they set it up in the middle of the city sometimes and like, and he followed these people around and make, made a fucking documentary. About oh, wow. interesting. And I was like, fuck, this looks fucking pretty cool. I mean, it's a weird fucking subject to make a film about. But I'm like, this works. Like, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, fuck, if you can do that, you can do probably something cool with my story. Do you remember how he um, approached you with this project? Like, what did he want to bring out of your story, basically? What was, like, his main objective? No, the thing that we talked about this many times because I asked him, I'm like, well, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, why <laughs> do you even want to do this? Yeah. And like, what's the angle here? And he's like, well, you know, this is documentary filmmaking. You never really actually know. <laughs> okay. I'm like, so you don't even fucking know? I'm like, fuck. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. I don't know either. So <laughs> and then and then we got like the Film Institute or whoever it was. They gave us some funding for to do it. And there was all these questions that we had to answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what well, do I have to answer? And he's like, yeah, well, they just want me to ask you this. And I'm like, what well, do you have to answer them too? He's like, yeah, but I already answered them. Like, so what the fuck did you say? It's like, well, just do your answers first. And then we'll look at my answers. <laughs> and then it's like, so why do you want to do this documentary? I'm like, I don't want to fucking do it. <laughs> it's you don't want to do it. He's like, fine. He's like, I'll just put it, whatever you say, I'm going to give it to them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, fine. He's like, so why do you want to do it? I'm like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, so why did you agree to do it? I'm like, well, because I think it's going to be, I think it's going to look cool. Is what I think I said. Okay, okay. And I'm like, well, why do you do it? It's like, well, you know, well, I want to win awards and things. I'm like, Phew okay whatever and then that year on the documentary film festival of sweden it fucking won the the thing which is insane yeah yeah so i was like okay so i never even thought like there was awards for that but yeah it won uh, the documentary of the year whatever that was it last year that maybe yeah i think so yeah but yeah, it was a lot back and forth. And I'm like, what are we doing here? How is this going to end? And he's like, I don't know. I don't have an ending. And he was like, I wanted the ending to be like the Hollywood ending. Like you walk up to Shane Cross's parents' house and knock on the door. But that's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, of course it's not fucking going to happen because life is not a Hollywood movie. And he's like, I'm going to put that down too. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. Write everything down. You said earlier that you, you still haven't watched the Epically Later the piece, but did you watch the, the Scars Valley Blood? I did. I watched it once on the Paris 
showing that we had. And uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, it, it actually looked good, and it, I like how it came out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'd seen a really, really rough cut that was like three hours long. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, before it was, they were like, okay, so this is the stuff that we have and that we're probably going to use, but of course it's not going to be this long. And, I'm, and uh, that was like the first time that they showed it to me, and uh, like the producers and Max was there, my girlfriend was there too. Mm-hmm. And they ended, and like everyone's looking at me. I'm like, like what? Do I, I have to say something? Like, oh well, well I don't hate it. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, and then so I knew, like, okay, this is gonna be the footage that they're gonna use. Fine, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then when I seen the the finished product then in Paris with the music, oh yeah, fuck with the music. And I was like, okay, this is fucking really cool. Because mm-hmm. they sent me some stuff with Warren Ellis that he had played. And then there's a part where I play the piano and then he plays like a little violin over it. I'm like, okay, that's good enough. Just use that. If that's in there, then you can do whatever you want. So since that project started years ago, but I assume most of the footage that we see, all the interviews and everything is so much recent, right? Uh, I'm sure it's not from yeah. 10 years ago. Like uh... No, no, that's new stuff. Like all the other, there is like some of the same stuff probably from the epically later because that's some like footage from younger. your skate parts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and some skate parts. And and I guess they said they, they got like 400 hours of footage to sift through. Wow. Damn. <laughs> Which, I mean, uh, if, sure, if it's like skate clips, it's like people fucking not making tricks <laughs> yeah, for yeah. hours and hours. But, but yeah, 400 hours, it's a lot. It's gnarly, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, then he interviewed Arto. And, yeah, that's like the newer stuff. And you and yeah. so... But, I mean, like the whole... From the beginning where he... Well, the first time we met, like from there till finish. Maybe even been more than 10 years. Mm. But that's also because uh, in the process, like, as I got sober somehow in between there. And then there was like a, a gap of a couple of years, I think. Right. Where he was like, okay, well, fuck, man. This is too gnarly to try to film okay. or to do anything. But I mean, I, he obviously did something during that time. I don't know if that was like perfect to try to get a hold of more footage. And apparently people are still like sending him footage. Oh, I found those tapes. And oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, well, the thing is done. A long time ago now. And so when Patrick uh, Odell reached out to you, did you think, oh, like I'm already involved in this other project? Maybe I should uh, check with this guy? Or was it kind of not really happening anymore and you just said whatever? Yeah, because that's what we've had stopped okay that was in the middle of that okay yeah we stopped and then i got sober and then patrick odell came okay and then he called and then max called me again like i don't I mean after it was a couple of years that we didn't do anything and he's like hi this is uh, max do you remember me i'm like yeah the fucking documentary what happened yeah and then he's like do you want to still do it i'm like yeah fuck why not He's like, well, you don't remember? I'm like, no, I don't remember anything. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's keep doing it. <laughs> no, it, it turned out really great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I watched it uh, two, three weeks ago and really, really liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a good job. But where did you see like the, the whole the 100 minute version? Yeah, it was about an hour and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah so it's like the full one. Because here in, in Sweden, they have like the fucking, you know, the, the free to air or like the communal TV or whatever. They bought like their own version, which is oh, like 
okay. 58 minutes because they have like their all their documentaries that they have are like 58 minutes. Oh, it's like a super standard uh, yeah, like format. Yeah, it's been yeah. for like since fucking, I don't know, the 60s or who knows how long. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, because they've also funded uh, the project and they were like, okay, well, we want the 58 minute version. Then So then Max and the editor had to fucking chop their little baby up like almost by half. Yeah, yeah. That was, Which was tough. But I mean, yeah. I, yeah, but I mean, I guess that was the deal from the beginning. So, I mean, I haven't seen the, the shorter versions. I mean, I, I don't really even care. That's not my ordeal to care about. Yeah. No, as no. long as there's more analysis with the music, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so how was it uh, like uh, touring to like premiere the film? And I saw that you did a bunch of interviews here and there, some podcasts as well. How has it been this whole, I guess it must have happened over like a year or at least six months or something? Yeah, it was. It felt like it was a skate tour, but yeah. without the skating, you know. And without drinking and partying. and <laughs> Yeah, so it was way, way easier and chilled. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is how, like, maybe 99% of the people, when they go on holiday. That's what they experience. <laughs> but they have to pay for it themselves. Oh, so, yeah, I could, I could see how people could pay for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it was nice. And, uh, and yeah, the reception was pretty good for the documentary. As you said, it won awards and everything. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. And then now we got nominated to like the absolute the highest thing that they have in Sweden, which was the, I don't even know how to translate it, but it's so weird. It's not an Oscar, but that's like the big Swedish film award thing. But it right. didn't win yeah. because it was some other... I mean, not you can't even compare to all the ones that got nominated. There was like four four documentaries nominated, and it's pretty new that they even have documentaries in this because it's like a movie about Slatan when he was young. Yeah, the football player. Yeah, yeah, that one won. And then there's another one called the Triangle of Sadness. Oh yeah. That's a Swedish uh, director, Ruben Östlund. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I saw that, actually. That was a cool yeah, movie, yeah. I know, I fucking laughed so hard with the <laughs> That's a good... Like, so he won, like, almost everything that you can yeah, win. Yeah, okay. For that one, and then the Slatan movie won, and then there was, like, some other documentary that won. Uh, there was, like, historical, you know, like, these Inuits or whatever, the Eskimo, or no, what are they called in English? I'm not sure. From the north and like whatever it was like a hit their history. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And their film was called Historia. Okay, and you're like the scars uh, got the best award, like. Uh... Yeah, that was a different award thing though. That was like when it was only the documentaries. Okay, okay, right, okay. And then this one was like it was nominated, but it's like you can't really compare it to an Oscar, but it's like. It's what they have here in Sweden. That would be like the same sort of because it's all the movies and all the, like best editing, best female actor, best uh, supporting, blah, blah. It's like the same. And okay. then there was like best documentary and there was like the four. Yeah, that you mentioned. The scars, okay. the history, and there was like two other ones that I can't remember what they were. And so at the end of the documentary, actually, there's a scene where you go to, I think it's like a sauna of some sort with um, Ewan Bowman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're like in a pool together and you're talking and he's telling you about Shane Cross's dad. Yeah, yeah. Who told him, it was probably years before that, that he uh, wanted to talk to you basically or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was wondering if, uh, well, first of all, if, if you had had the opportunity to go back to Australia since you left the country back no. in the day, but... 
I have not, but that was a plan of like we thought about doing it because, uh, like I said, I'm surely Max wanted the Hollywood ending of like filming going to meet the the parents, but that never happened. So, but now when we had like the the premieres, I applied like to go to be there at the premiere, and somehow like if I was allowed in, maybe I would have tried to reach out to the Shane's dad and see if he was willing to meet up. But I got also got denied entry, so that didn't work out. Okay. Is that something you'd like to do in the future, or, or is it kind of... Uh, I assume it must be very difficult. I, I can't yeah, even imagine doing that. It must be pretty terrifying. Yeah, of course it, it is, or it would be. But I mean, like, if the opportunity presents itself again, like, I mean, I am willing to do it. Like, But it's like more for, for their sake. Of course. It's like, it's up to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely, definitely do it, uh, even though it's, it would be very, very difficult. But uh, yeah. Changing gears a bit, but uh, I wanted to ask you about Ghost Boys. Uh, we talked about music at the beginning, and uh, I wanted to ask you about like how this whole project started. And uh, I saw that you released a few singles in 2022. Yeah, is there like a an album in the works? And like I think you just did a, an interview with Thrasher actually. Oh yeah, that's right. Because yeah, we have a, a song that's not released yet. So yeah, I mean, of course, it's going to be an album, of sure. Mm-hmm. But cool. now we, I don't know how many songs we have. I found, I think, four on Spotify. Yeah, so this is five. I mean, we got to get a couple of more songs. Yeah, yeah. Eight or nine would be an album. Yeah. Or... This next one, we have like two guests. Mm-hmm. They're like musicians, this guitar player from a... He plays in Helicopters, if you know what that band okay. is. No, I don't. I mean, he has a couple of bands that he plays in, but he came in and did some guitar solos. Mm-hmm. And then we have this uh, chick called Julia Frey okay. that sings in the song with this husky Janis Joplin-ish type singing voice. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's really cool, that one. Can you say the title or not yet? Yeah, I think it's called, I'm not 100% now if we said that it's going to be, but we're singing in the song, I give my life to rock and roll. So I'm guessing that the song is going to be, or maybe I give my life. Okay. It's going to be called. Yeah, but that's a lot of fun. Now, like when the guy that started this whole thing, yeah, we can get back to that. Like he was a, a musician from uh, up north, like really, really the north of Sweden. And he, uh, yeah, he contacted me because he did a song, like a, a rap song where he mentions me in the song. So he asked me like if I wanted to be in the music video for that. And then we have just been friends since then. And did like a lot of DJ gigs together. And then uh, one day he said, do you want to start a rock band? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we, we did. And now he's got this uh, studio with uh, pretty much everything you need to record stuff. And more, like he bought these fucking two pinball machines, two <laughs> arcade games, like Mortal Kombat and like Pac-Man and then like two Super pinball machines. Yeah, like Godzilla pinball and like some other one. Mm. Deadpool or something. Yeah, so it's like a, a fun place to go to just to hang out. 
So when is this uh, new album going to come out? Do you have a date or not really at this point? No, I don't know. And I, I was trying to figure out like what date this next song is going to be released, but I didn't get an answer yet. Okay. And then, because now we have like this record company that's dealing with that or they decide like when this stuff is going to come out. So, But I, I'm pretty sure it's in now, in February. So I just can't remember the exact date. Okay. But it should be like in a week or something. And so in recent times, you were involved in like some uh, fashion projects with uh, friends of yours, like uh, Human Recreational Service, uh, like Eric Ellington's brand. You also did, uh, still do probably some modeling for CHPO, Victor's uh, brand in Sweden. Is that something you want to keep doing in the future, like to do like some modeling and be involved in, in fashion and maybe designing clothes and stuff like that? Is that something you want to keep doing or... Well, before that, I did like a, this little clothing collection with a, a skate brand called Sweet. That was a few years ago now. Okay. But then I did a, a watch for Victor. On CHPO? Yeah, this was a while ago too. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh, I don't know if it was him or if it was me. Like, well, can we do something else? And he's like, well, we do sunglasses and watches. Like, what do you, when you already did the watch? So yeah, let's do a sunglass. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, that came out pretty cool, I think. And, uh, yeah, it's good. It's fun to do stuff with them, for sure. And then uh, with the Eric, with the shoe brand, it's been cool, too, to have, like, do modeling and stuff with them. And we went to, like... I haven't been for the last fashion... But we were there for the couple of years ago for the fashion week. I think he, he might have been there again this year, but... In Paris? In Paris, yeah. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. And then we did like a couple of photo shoots in France as well for the shoes, the new collections and stuff, which was fun. Yeah, yeah. These turned out great. Yeah, I went on the, the website and uh, there's some pretty cool uh, pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And like some little videos and stuff too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fun to do for sure. And like the really, really nice shoes that he's making. So that's cool. That's good fun to be involved with that. So now that the documentary is like done, what's like uh, on your plate in the next few months? Like what's on your to-do list? You talked about the album with Ghost Boys. Yeah, that's one thing. I'm just going to learn a few release from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. That's like the main everyday sort of practice or routine. Uh -huh. But uh, yeah, for sure, make a couple of songs. I mean, we have every time I go into the studio, I'm like, oh, let's do something with this or let's do something with that. And like, and it's just so easy that we just record some or whatever, do a little like lay some basic foundation of a song or whatever, an idea. Yeah, yeah. And then we have the drum set there where you can just record it on one of those Zoom, whatever, and it works really fucking well. And like the, the guy that I'm doing with, like he's not a drummer, but like he can play drums and is really good with beats. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, let's do something like where it's like horses in the desert feeling. <laughs> and he's like, oh, like this, you mean? And I'm like, yeah, perfectly. So we have like some ideas and foundations to some songs that are really, really like desert cowboy feeling inspired you know oh nice that sounds fun and it's like when you do those type of songs what it's like what are you gonna say like there's no lyrics really that fit into it it's hard so we have like this one song where it's like we just say like hi 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 <laughs> there's like no words the whole time it's just that <laughs> no like every once in a while like in the in the chorus or whatever nice <laughs> yeah 
So I don't know. But I mean, he writes lyrics all the time and he still has like his, his rap name that he also performs under like separately, the Keytalk. Keytalk, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. he was like recently up north, like that's where he's from. And like he did some gigs up there, but, but like on the Keytalk songs. Okay, okay. I was with him because he was in the studio. I was also like co-writing for one of his Key Talk songs. So I got like the little credit writing credits on one of the songs, but it's in Swedish. Okay. But anyway, it's, it's a good song though. Cool. So yeah, and he, he was up there and he performed that on, on TV up there. And John just sitting here and watching it like, oh my God, I do. Yeah, I was with him when we, when we came up with that. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. I read somewhere that you had mentioned the possibility of writing a book. I don't know if that's still something yeah. you want to do now that there's like yeah, a, it's still, it's, a couple it's documentaries. It's still a possibility. I've already started like wrote down like the idea of the or like maybe even like one chapter. And I have like the whole how I want it to be laid out, like the storyboard, but it's like a book, but whatever. Like the skeleton of the book, the structure? Yeah, the skeleton yeah. is what it's called, exactly. Okay. But yeah, but this was even before documentary was even talked about. I had a meeting with one of the, like the biggest fucking... Publishers? Publishers here, yeah. Because yeah. one of the... It was like a girl that was... She was a, a writer and like she's also a journalist. And she was like, oh, could I make a... Because she wanted to do an article on me. And then she was like, holy fuck, your story is more bigger than an article. Let's do a book. Yeah. And it's, yeah, she came with us to Copenhagen Pro once uh, as well. Interviewed a lot of people and my friends and stuff. And then, uh, and then she had a kid and then that just, I don't know, it never came about. Okay. But then I started doing it myself. Because it was, I can't remember, it was someone I talked to. It was like, oh, it was in, in France, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark, this guy, a friend, uh, and it's Eric's friend as well, but you stay with him sometimes when we're in Paris. He was like, fuck that. I know a lot of problems here. Just write it yourself. Just mm-hmm. write the fucking thing and we'll sort the rest later. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. So then I just wrote, started writing it myself, which is also a very slow process writing the book. And also I have to learn Fear release, which is my new idea that I have to first do that before <laughs> yeah. I can do anything else. <laughs> I see. So, yeah. You can't really do both at the same time. I mean, I, I could, but I mean, I, I know it's going to be hard. And then yeah. every time I go to Finland, like my mom has this cabin in the woods in Finland and we just chill there. I go there with my girlfriend and now there's like a fucking, it's not a jacuzzi, but it's like one of those wood heat little, it's kind of like a jacuzzi, but it doesn't have like the bubbles. Oh, okay. Okay. And you heat that up with fire. So there's always fires that you have to attend to. Like, And there's also this gazebo with a barbecue. Mm-hmm. There's like a fire in there. And you have to start a fire and you have to chop off the wood. And then you have to heat that up. And then there's a sauna. And then it's like, I was like, oh, fuck, I was going to come here, write this book or work one by 12 steps. And that's like never, ever happens. <laughs> but the idea is always there. Okay. And you think, like, every time you go there, it's like, oh, I'm going to chill. There's going to be nothing. You can do anything. But somehow it's like, oh, fuck, we're going home tomorrow. And it's like the time just passes so fast. Yeah, so you're busy the whole time chopping wood. and <laughs> Yeah, chopping wood, like, heating up the sauna, like, making food. Or, and you're like, yeah, 
don't even think about it and now all of a sudden you've been there for like a week and like shit we gotta go time flies yeah (laughs) yeah but like when you look at the place and you think it's like in the middle of the woods there's nothing you have to like drive to the store if you want to go to the store and it's like it closes very isolated yeah very isolated and you think like time's gonna go slow but no (laughs) it just doesn't so I have a few uh, questions from friends of yours that I want to surprise oh. you with. Oh, shit. I usually finish uh, these interviews with just the last question from myself, which is what's the most valuable lesson that you feel you've learned from skating? And when I mean skating, it's obviously everything that goes with it, not just the act of skating itself. But is there something that kind of comes to mind as a very valuable life lesson? Yeah, I don't know if, it, if it's a lesson, but it's a, definitely something that, that you experience when you skate. It's like most of the things don't happen like first try. If you're lucky, you could have a first try. Mm-hmm. But like you have to really want something to happen. Yeah. And that like you can apply that to a lot of things. For sure. For sure. Stuff happen in life too that you really want to even not try. But yeah, if you're lucky, sure. Mm-hmm. Also, then I can just say that I've everything. My whole life is based on skate. Like the foundation of my life is begins with skating. Sure, because mm. I we started skating when we were like ten. And before that, fuck, you didn't know anything. So yeah. In the epically later, you you couldn't skate at the end because of this. Um, I think you had like a fake bone growth on the hip or something that yeah. was a consequence of the the accident, the motorcycle accident. Yeah, yeah. Is that still the case today? Like, are you still like not able to skate because of this? No, I mean it's more like a coordination issue factor. These, yeah. Okay. Because they, I mean, they managed to take some of that stuff off, but it's like weaved into the muscles. So like they couldn't really get everything. Okay. Oh, wow. Because it's like, it's not like bone fragments. It's like almost like hair. But I've seen the x-ray and it's just in there like. And that's troubling your coordination? Yeah, a a little bit. No, it's more like from the brain injury. Oh, okay. Okay. So I have to like relearn uh, a lot of uh, tricks or whatever. And so you don't you don't really skate at all anymore? Or? Not that much, no. I mean, I've, I've skated at the skate park like after closing time. And I could just feel like how it's it's not really fucking working, but I just do mm. it anyway, like trying to do like... Yeah, just roll around at least. Try and... to roll around and like I can roll around, but then I'm trying to do like pressure flips. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, oh, maybe that work. And like sometimes I feel like, oh, yeah, that's good work. But then I still haven't been able to make it work properly. So Okay. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter if you, if you can't really skate anymore, but uh, yeah. It would be cool to see you skate, of course, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, of course, if I could do anything, then I'm definitely going to film it and like put it out there. Okay, let's wrap this up with the friends' questions. Okay. So this one is from uh, Max, the filmmaker, Max Ericsson. Yeah. So he said, what is the most irritating question people ask you about the film and why is it the most irritating one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's a question that every time they ask me, how does it feel? To have a film about you? I don't know. That's just what I'm like. And I'm like, how does what feel? <laughs> well, how does it feel to see yourself on the big screen? I'm like, yeah, it just feels probably the same as it feels to you. Like, I mean, 
there's no feelings attached to seeing myself on this yeah and what why is it irritating or was that the question yeah like uh, why does it irritate you exactly yeah yeah i probably could say i just cannot understand what the deal is with it and i think that's the deal with a lot of things that i get irritated is because i can't understand it mm. <laughs> but like i can't even think that far because if it's irritating i'm just like okay fuck that fuck yeah that. <laughs> that's an, and I, i don't even want to know why it's irritating or i just don't want to know anything about it yeah But yeah, I think that it's because I can't understand how that could be a question. <laughs> and another thing was because it was always that question. It came up a lot, yeah. Every time. It's like, I know that they're going to answer and I don't know what to say and it's going to be fucking annoying. Yeah. But it's because what I feel like is like the same when someone is one like the olympic medal and the, like the news are there and they're like how does it feel yeah, yeah. and they're like well what the fuck what do you mean how does it feel like there's no answer like yeah i'm i'm glad i'm happy that i won but it's like no it's not you're not happy like this just this weird question to answer okay this one is an audio one hey mr buyada i have a question for you from sorry So um, you smashed that car windshield in Surrey and um, yeah, we believed it was a, a wrecked car, but then uh, there was all these people screaming and we got so scared. And do you remember what happened right after? Yeah, who was that? I couldn't even hear who it was. That's uh, French Fred, Fred Martin. It was, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we we just fucking drove off in the van and he the guy chased us. Oh, yeah? They came came running up from the apartment building, oh, and obviously okay. they saw us do the smash, and then someone ran down and ran after us. <laughs> oh shit! It was fucking gnarly. Yeah, I mean that was a mistake, and I still like <laughs> every time I see that, it's still I'm like, fuck, man, it's too late to fucking cut that out now. Yeah, well, yeah, of course, <laughs> too bad. <laughs> But I'm still thinking like maybe one day it's gonna some come crashing down on me like like the, the guy's gonna track you down yeah <laughs> fuck yeah you smashed my mom's car or whatever <laughs> but we really thought it was an abandoned shit old car that was in uh in lyon or where was that yeah okay so like if that ever happens that he tracks us down i'm gonna have to buy a new windshield <laughs> for sure or like a yeah. whole new car probably that would be fair yeah it was that was definitely a, a mistake Yeah, it looks cool in the video, but yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I don't know what it means by what happened after it. I know the, if he if he means like the guy came chasing us. But he didn't like uh, he couldn't catch you. No, he managed to flee the scene. Basically, yeah, because I, I think we ran a red light even like just to get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he couldn't. He didn't catch up with us. And then I think like because Leon is like it's not that big. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it would have been like could have, but he could have, somehow, yeah. Like, especially like uh, if you're skating, you're like definitely attracting. Yeah, but I don't know if he. I don't know. Something would have happened by now. I'm thinking. Yeah, it's like well, 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully he doesn't track you down. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it would be fucking so easy nowadays if he so happens to see the video. It's it's over. Yeah, well, I think 20 years later, probably he moved on. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hope so. Yeah. Okay, let's do this other one. Hey, Oli, I bet a lot of people ask you about what you miss most about skateboarding and whether or not you're going to be skating again. But I want to know the opposite, and I want to ask you: What do you miss the least 
about skating. Thanks. Have a good interview. Bye. Who was that? That's uh, John John Dahlquist. Dahlquist. Oh yes, yeah, that's what from Brigadiert. Uh, yeah, what I missed the least. I mean, it's the whole just the act of skating or the whole around it. Like I do not miss sitting in a van waiting for people to fucking get ready or to get cigarettes or to buy food or whatever the fuck every time it happens. Like <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, this, I mean, I wouldn't say there's anything really that I missed the least. It's like I really, really hated like setting up a new board, for example. Oh, yeah? That was like, oh, but I, I love to have a brand new setup, everything new, new shoes, new, but <laughs> then doing the task, I mean, it, it was, I definitely don't miss that. But some people like, they like doing it and like, oh, the, the grip tape and like. Yeah, me. super precise and yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I had the chance, I'd go to a skate shop where they have like all the tools or usually a skate shop, they'd be like, oh yeah, I'll do it for you. Mm. And you're like, <laughs> yes. Fuck yeah, <laughs> good. But yeah, that's one thing that I don't miss. What about like the madness of not landing tricks? Like, uh, is that... yeah, that's. I mean, but it's because you're so fucking involved when that happens. Like, I can't even like, put myself in that mindset. Like, because you're like in a different fucking dimension when you're in that battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must like, be. it's it's so hard to to even. Like, I know that it's very very frustrating. Yeah. But it's not like pain or suffering. It's not like it's a suffering because you're so fucking involved in it that you don't really even notice what's happening. Yeah. Like, when it's not like it's fun, but it's not like you're suffering either. Mm-hmm. It's just like some weird combination, maybe somehow. But it could because it, it could be hell also. I'm definitely gonna go to that place today, like on the Federalist practice for sure. Like that's what happens. I get like I get the same fucking frustration. Yeah, frustration and the insanity, obsession, and whatever else that that is like where you just fucking go so deep into it. But I I haven't smashed the piano though, and that's I could never ever do that because I got it for my girlfriend as a fucking present. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so I have to find like an old board and like fucking yeah, fun, like, <laughs> exactly. Keep it right next to the to keep the piano. Exactly. Okay, let's see. I have this one. Hello, Oli. This is your favorite Yugodara, Victor. You're known for whining and complaining quite a lot. At a young age, you used to cry a lot in Frisus, that I remember. And now, when we've traveled together, you've been known to whine quite a lot. But, and when I say whine, I don't mean drinking wine, because obviously you quit that. I meant like whining as in complaining. And uh, on a ladies' trip, we went to Belgrade in Serbia. And you topped yourself when it came to complaining. Please tell the audience about your experience in Serbia. And uh, hope it's a good podcast. Looking forward to listening to it. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you guys went to Serbia. How long ago was that? Not that long ago. Maybe a month ago or something. Two months ago. Mm -hmm. It was still fucking warm over there, at least. Yeah, no, I know that I complain. I know that I complain. <laughs> it's not like... A big secret? No. no. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I complain about the whole whole country, how it's... But, I mean, I understand 
why and the whole thing behind it. I, it's like a war-torn country and the whole infrastructure is fucked. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it's so cheap over there because everything is so fucked over there. <laughs> and the quality is so bad that it has to be cheap. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, that was a... a I mean, I just said all these things in front of the people that organized the whole trip. But it wasn't like meant to them specifically. Yeah, it was about was the country overall. The, yeah. yeah, in general, because it was a shock. Okay. I was like, we lived at the wrong hotel for two fucking nights without anyone even, even noticing. Oh, yeah? Wow. Which tells you about the fucking infrastructure or like how they were like, they didn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> We were in the wrong hotel for two nights. If we didn't say anything, they would probably just like, whatever. <laughs> then, you know, things like that, which whatever, it was fine. But yeah, I, I think like that what he means is like when I complained in front of the people that organized it. How did they react? They didn't say anything. Like they were just like stone face, <laughs> dying inside. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I mean, they're doing a really fucking good thing over there though, for sure. Mm-hmm. But it was like, uh, I mean, yeah, we got invited over there and it's so fucking cheap. You hear how cheap it is and then it's like, well, sort it out then if it doesn't cost anything. Like, but yeah, they're doing a really good fucking cool thing over there. Mm -hmm. And I understand how they can because nobody gives a shit. They can build their own (laughs) skate parks without even permissions or anything. Right. But they're doing a really good thing. Like with the thing that we went to, like the the summit, Mm -hmm. it's like they have this meeting every year with the community I've never ever seen that anywhere else in a skate park. But I mean, they don't really need it anywhere else because there it's a really small skate community over there. So, right. So far, at least. But I think it's it's probably going to grow. Well, yeah, especially if there's a really good skate park and yeah. Yeah, they are building it themselves, and they, it's like yeah, they can do whatever they want. And so far, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're doing cool cool things over there. But I mean, I know I understand that it's hard because there's no money and there's no infrastructure and everything is broken, but that's not their fault. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. But uh, yeah, I'm wondering if there if there people in Belgrade are ever going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> if they do, I have nothing against Belgrade and the skate scene and the summit and everything. They're doing really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, positive things. Just the hotel thing was uh, a bit disappointing. Yeah, it was insane. How weird. I mean, and I I went for the first time just a couple of years ago to Thailand. Like oh, everyone's yeah. always like, oh, you made a Thailand. Oh, the food is so good. Oh, it's so cheap. And I went there, and of course it's cheap because everything is so shit. <laughs> I understand the quality of the whole, and there's a similar thing with the infrastructure, the cop are corrupt and it's fucking sketchy and i understand why it's cheap but this was even cheaper and the quality of it is like okay shit <laughs> i thought thailand was sketchy like holy shit and this is like really close by and it's like mm. you didn't imagine it to be that way yeah no i had no idea i've never been there mm-hmm. i didn't know but then i see like all the buildings and it's like oh it's from the fucking war they still haven't fixed it of course they like and then the telltale sign was like how they used a fire extinguisher as a door stopper <laughs> i was okay. like that tells the whole fucking story <laughs> about the whole country this fire extinguisher has they, it had fallen down uh-huh 
and the door needed to be open. So they used that to, to and like, I bet you if I go to that same hotel now, like or two years later, it's still, still going to be there. there. Yeah. It's still <laughs> there. Yeah. All right. I have a few short questions from Ewan Bowman. Yeah. And my first question for Mr. Boo La 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 is if you had to choose between one way or the other way, which way would you go? That is question number one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's hard. I think I would go the other way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And question number two is, is it roulade, 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 roulade? It's a chicken roulade. No, no, it's chicken roulade. I think the the second one, chicken roulade. <laughs> okay. No, it's because we ate there every day. Oh, that's a food joint in uh, Stockholm. No, they, it was no, it's in uh, in Melbourne. Oh, in Melbourne, okay. okay. Umago's Pizza, and they had a chicken. We uh, yeah, we sat at the same table. I mean, or I wanted to sit at the same seat every time, and and uh, we ordered or only ordered chicken roulade or relayed. <laughs> okay. Which is another weird side story. We sat there, same place, same spot, and then one time. There's someone else sitting in my spot. <laughs> okay. And that was fucking Amanda and her friend. Your ex-wife, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, excuse me, uh, but we usually sit here. Is it okay if you move? <laughs> and she was like, what a fucking weird thing. <laughs> what? Uh, sure, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll move. And they moved. And then she was like, by the way, I think we met like a year ago. That's how you met with her? Yeah. And then I met her out later on and I... Because we went oh, not only to the same food place to eat, we only went to the same bar as well. <laughs> And that was the bar that she went to. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Yeah. Question number three. You have an apple and a pear in a basket. Which one is more important? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a difficult one. What kind of questions are there? <laughs> yeah, no, because this is a... When we lived in Barcelona... You and Bowman would go out in the morning really fucking early to do some important stuff. Okay. And then he'll come back with like an apple or a pear. And I'm like, oh, that was your, oh, yeah, yeah. So you get up in the morning and do something important. <laughs> But you, so it seems like you're doing some weird important business, but you go out and buy fruit in the morning. Okay. Important pear. I think that's, that was their answer to the question. The pair is the most important. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> question number four, bonus question. If you were going to start a newspaper, which font would you choose for the main title and why? <laughs> Comic Sans for the whole newspaper. <laughs> okay. Everything in Comic Sans. And, and why? Oh, that's just because it's the best font. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Is it called the Comic Sans? I think so. I think I see what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anything about fonts. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a font specialist myself, but uh... <laughs> no. I mean, that was also because it became a fucking argument with an email that he sent to the band because he was going to interview. Oh, he interviewed the for the Thrasher. Oh yeah. Oh, he did the interview. Okay. Yeah, and then for some weird reason, 
in the email, it was Comic Sans and one of the guys that he works in like commercials and stuff, the comedian yeah. who's the guitar player. He was like, why the fuck would you use Comic Sans? Is he a fucking idiot? And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? What is Comic Sans? What, what are you talking about? He's like, no, no. It's like, why would he use that font? I'm like, what fucking font? And it became a fucking whole issue. Like, wow. <laughs> and I still really don't understand the problem. Like, and then I asked my girlfriend, like, what the fuck is the deal with Comic Sans? Like, why did this? Why is it so frowned she upon? She was like, yeah. oh, because no, that's like a, it's like a joke. I'm like, what do you mean a fucking joke? I don't understand. <laughs> and of course, I got a fucking angry because I didn't understand. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But because the guy, he works and he's like, that's the stupidest fucking thing ever to use Comic Sans. I'm like, I'm like what? <laughs> and it became a huge ordeal and it's still going because he's not, he's not going to let it go. I know. <laughs> I'm not going to let it go either. He's still going to ask you about this uh, Yeah, for I'm going to tell the story every time. <laughs> and then I asked you and I'm like, dude, why did you use that font? We almost got into a fight. He's like, what fucking font? I'm like, see, I knew you wouldn't know what the fuck I was talking about. But he claims that you were trying to be funny by using Comic Sans. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just use, I didn't use anything. I just fucking sent an email. I'm like, tell him that. <laughs> tell him that you did not use that on purpose because he thinks that you were trying to be funny. He's like, nah, man, I'm not gonna. And then, he, and then he's like throwing in all these questions. Sometimes he's sending, oh, he sent an email to all of us in the band. Like, mm -hmm. oh, the Thrasher is out now. And like, oh, I hope you're okay with the font. <laughs> <laughs> it's like trying to fucking stare it up still. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I have a few last ones. Yeah, all right. Hey, Ali. It's Jan here, all the way from Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, you've been one of my favorite skateboarders from the beginning. Your influence on, like, self-expression and just being whoever the fuck you want to be and wearing whatever you want to wear basically influenced me my whole life and i wanted to ask you this at what age did you start experimenting with fashion and you know dressing glam and listening to punk because you had me heavily influenced at 14 so i'm just curious yeah i mean i there's a i don't know if it's in the in the video or not there's a a photo of me and my brother when we were really, really young yep. on a moped. And uh, I had like matching socks already then. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I talked, I talked to like my mom about this too. Like, and she says like, oh, that I've always, always have been like very like specific what I wanted to wear and stuff. Mm hmm. So, I mean, like, I can't even remember, like, at what point I was like, oh, I want to wear this or that or, mm -hmm. but I know that as far, as far as I can remember, I've always been, like, very specific with what I want to wear and, like, mm -hmm. but yeah, then I, shortly, the changing of the gears and, like, I remember, like, with the baggy jeans, I think maybe even, like, before we started skating, I had, like, I found some huge baggy jeans. Mm -hmm. And that was like my favorite ones for some reason. And my mom was like, oh, do you really want to go to school with those? And like, oh, and I was like, yeah, fuck, I don't give a fuck. And I can't remember anyone ever like trying to fucking tease me or anything like that. Or maybe they were and I wasn't paying attention to it. But yeah. Mm, okay. And, uh, yeah. So I mean, the a I don't even know at what age. And I remember me and my brother... This was probably the 90s, you know, crisscross, two rappers that were brothers, like, or maybe it was in the 80s even. That does sound familiar, but yeah. Yeah, they had like their baggy jeans back to front. Okay. 
We did that too once at school. We went there to school like as them with the pants on backwards. <laughs> okay. So like, I mean, like we always... Yeah, you always had that kind of sense for fashion and... Yeah, or and I always did whatever the fuck we wanted, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I don't know where it comes from or anything like that. I don't have a good answer. It's just like... No, no, but it's it's cool. Yeah, it's kind of always been there, yeah. Yeah, yeah and he already knew the answer. Like, I just never really cared about what other people... Yeah, that's very, um, how do you say, useful to not give a shit, it basically. useful, yeah, sure. Because uh, then it's like, you, yeah. don't want to, you don't want people to get hurt either. No, of course, yeah, no, for sure. But but like, yeah. But having on whatever clothes you, you're allowed to have on, whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. People will get upset if you have like a fucking fur or whatever. Oh, yeah. Sure. But it's like, that's not illegal. I got this fucking fur jacket from my sneakers oh. and stuff, but it's fake fur. Oh, but okay. I tell people that it's from these 48 kittens that people <laughs> left behind from corona people everyone had to have a fucking cat because they were working from home under covid oh yeah and now everyone gets to have to go back to the office again now they don't know what to do with their cats so i, I took all the cats and made this jacket <laughs> wow but i mean people, they know that i'm joking but still yeah. it's like that would be a funny thing to say because it really looks like it could be true true yeah <laughs> Okay, I have just two quick last ones. This one is from Rune Glifberg. Okay, shit. So it's just a simple question, but he said, ask him about his fascination with Tom Penny at an early age. Oh, shit. What made Tom so special to you? Oh, man, because they just... The first time I saw anything with Tom was... uh, I don't think I've seen anyone skate like that before. That he just looked so cool when he skated. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just wanted to wanted it to look like that the same way when I skated, and uh, yeah, it was a massive, massive influence on my skating because I I was already jumping down big things, yeah. But then he was doing like tricks down things, and that was like wow. Yeah, I've only ever seen like Jeremy Ray. Oh yeah, was like the first one actually, and then when Tom came, it was like oh what well, this is looks way cooler. Yeah, <laughs> it was like similar. He was doing the massive, massive gaps. With, with tricks but it looked cool yeah with the awesome a style and yeah how was it to skate with him um, back in the day it must have been a trip yeah oh that was yeah it was gnarly as fuck like all of a sudden I'm like hanging out with him skating with him so and then yeah that was the first time I was in America too and then mm-hmm. skating with him I was like okay well he fucking just I understand now how they make these videos because he just never fall yeah yeah. But then when I go and see the other skaters, I'm like, oh, okay, but he's done like 25 tries. And then this guy is like, and he's told me once too, he's like, oh, I don't try. I just do. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to take that with me. <laughs> I don't try. I do. Okay. This very last one is from um, Chris Pastras. Okay. Dune, yeah, yeah. Who was, I believe, your TM when you were skating for Osiris. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so he said, where did you get your inspiration for your style on and off the board? So there's obviously a lot of people I can think of that you've skated with. We just mentioned Tom. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Jim, Andrew, Reynolds. I don't know if the way they skated, but at least in the maybe the gear, the lifestyle and everything. Yeah, but with the gear, it was like me and Jim were like you know, on the same time. And then I think maybe Andrew and them were like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe my pants are a bit baggy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
But before that, like I said, me and my brother were dressed up like the crisscross ordeal. So like, for surely, like a lot comes from music mm-hmm. influences. Uh, but I mean, nowadays, I mean, I just go into like these thrift stores, basically, or like I get an idea somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like for this fur jacket, it was like, he gave it to me. So I'm like, yes, of course, I'm going to fucking have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah I mean yeah I don't know where it originally comes from so many different places like and now I'm trying to find uh, this suit I had got this suit or actually it was my girlfriend that bought me this fucking suit mm-hmm. like a Hugo Boss pinstripe suit but the pants are like a little bit short and I have to somehow sort that out <laughs> okay but uh, yeah yeah well let's, let's wrap it up here thank you so much Ali alright okay That's it for my conversation with Ali. Follow him on Instagram at TheBulala. Follow GhostBoys at ghost.boys.official and keep an eye out for their upcoming album. Of course, I highly recommend you go watch Ali's Epically Later from 2015 and The Scars of Ali Bulala, which just came out, as well as some of his iconic video parts from back in the day. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boys.